Hi there, my name's Laura and I'm the back half of Stella Tandem and this is stoked to be here. Um, we are a record-breaking attempt to cycle around the world on a tandem bicycle in 2022 and as part of our preparations for this trip we're speaking to lots of people from the worlds of cycling and endurance and today I'm joined by Charles of Charlie Condell who is also known as Round the World Charlie so who, who better to speak to? Um, can you tell us tell us what you did <laughs> essentially? How did you? <laughs> yeah, well, that's the big one. Um, well, in 2018, I set off just after my A levels, and I was planning on doing a bit of a summer ride around Europe. Um, I got to Istanbul and sort of just kept going, and uh, <laughs> I managed to complete my sort of lap of the world uh, in March 2019 before my 19th birthday. Oh wow, that's absolutely amazing. Um, and had you always ridden bicycles? Was it, was it kind of a, a passion or was this just a, a, a way to kind of see the world as it were? It was a bit of a combination. Um, I've always loved bicycles, but I was mainly a bit of a mountain biker. Um, I was quite new to the whole road bike scene um, and sort of I was planning on doing a bit of a climbing trip. Uh, so I wanted to get a van and go in Europe and climb everywhere. That was my <laughs> big thing at the time. But I realised for an 18-year-old to buy and insure a van, that wasn't going to be happening. Oh, uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the sort of the bike came into play. I figured, you know, I'm quite fit. I did rowing and running and all sorts. So, um, yeah, that came about. And about two weeks after my A-levels, I set off. Uh, no planning or anything. I literally, I bought the bike and went um, and just tried on sort of a base fitness and went from there. Oh, amazing. So yeah, as a lot of people do, I suspect you, you've kind of built up a lot of fitness and, and learned a lot along the way, along the road. So you yeah. literally, you, you weren't expecting to go past Istanbul when you set out? Well, I sort of, I feel like I usually try and buy stuff more than I can chew. So I said, <laughs> yeah, it'll be fine. I'll, I'll see how far I can go. Um, but very much Istanbul is quite a nice cutoff point because it's 4,000 Ks. It's yeah. um, I to do 1,000 Ks a week. And so therefore it's a month's ride, great summer holiday, lovely. So it'd been easy to get home. Um, but after that, yeah, just kept on going. Um, I know Europe very well from sort of, you know, travels with the family. So it's quite a nice way to get started. I speak French and a bit of German. So it's just, it's that kind of thing where, although it's a new concept and it's a new adventure, actually it's uh, in a place that's very hospitable and I know quite well. Um, so moving on from that, Turkey was the first Asian country. Uh, I spent many years in Turkey. So once again, that was quite lovely. But beyond that, it was all new. And so um, that was then a, quite a big step because I had to take the I had to take more transport rather than the bike to get into the rest of Asia. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, amazing. But um, so not only did you cycle around the world, but you also um, came back with a, a world record, I believe, didn't you? Um, is, are you still holding that as, is, I believe, is the youngest person to have cycled around the world? Yeah, uh, it's a bit of a funny one. It was never officially done by Guinness. Um, so I yeah. got a yes, you are, but then they had a whole problem with Strava and um, they were a bit funny, actually. At the very beginning, I asked them, you know, what's going on? Can I get this record? And they said they weren't going to accept any more uh, youth-related records. There was a, a young girl back in 2014, I think, and she sailed around the world by herself. She lived in, ooh, in the Netherlands or something like that. Um, and then she blamed the whole thing on Guinness and Guinness said, no, we're not having any more of that. And so I set off and rather than buying their sort of official recorder, um, which I think is quite an expensive bit of kit. I said, you know, I'll just put it all on Strava. Uh, mm. And then when I got back, they said, well, where's your recordings? We'd love to give you the record. And of course, there weren't any. Um, so I am the youngest. They have said it. However, 
they can't give me the official record. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a lot of hoops to jump through, and um, the other kind of record holders like Jenny Graham, things like that, have talked about having to like bring back like you know bags and bags of receipts and and witness statements and all sorts. So I think there's quite a lot of admin to do to do it that way. <laughs> but yeah, the whole still... trip is documented on Instagram almost daily. And, <laughs> yes, I've had a look through. It is it's it's yeah yeah it's it's mad the levels that they um they verify things at. But yeah, it's um you've um fair enough. Got... I understand. Yeah, I suppose so. But you've got, you know, you've got an amazing Instagram feed and jazz flicking through, looking through all the photos and it, it looks like you had an amazing time. And um, it's interesting, actually, because it seems like you were some days you were covering, you know, significant amounts of mileage. You kind of really packed in the miles on some days and then other days you seem to have still had the chance to make like the most of the culture the people you know you've you I believe you went around the Taj Mahal you've been sailing and there's uh, uh, all sorts of things I think there's some aerial yoga at one point so <laughs> <laughs> how did you kind of manage that balance between a holiday and making progress as it were um, well, I think I was in quite a fortunate position in terms of time. Um, I know when many people do it, it's trying to get time off for work and stuff, whereas I was out of school, I had no commitments. Was my goal. Um, so that gave me basically six months, 180 days cycling at 100 miles a day. That gives me my 18,000 miles, which is the, um, the Guinness requirement, isn't it? Um, and then that's two months of just enjoying myself, really. And so in the end, with various disruptances and sort of, yeah, um, bits that went wrong, I think I actually ended up having more time off than that. So you have to make it up somewhere. Um, I, my, my biggest day was 315 or 320 Ks. Um, so wow, that was a, yeah. was a, day. a substantial day. Yes, especially when yeah. you're, you're on the road all the time. It's, it's enough yeah. as a one-off, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, um, well, fortunately, I was going to some really good friends in Kuala Lumpur. And it was the most horrible day, um, really, really hilly, which I wasn't expecting. And this humongous tropical storm, sort of thunderstorm. Um, and so, yeah, I figured, you know what, I'll get up early and just do the double day. Uh, got up at six and got in for midnight and uh, had a really tasty dinner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> I bet, yeah, you, you must have been ravenous after all of that. So, yeah, so that's that's an epic ride, isn't it? And um and then, yeah, what kind of, what were some of the highlights of kind of the experiences that you had and the people that you met and things along the way? As I say, you, you've kind of, you, you seem to have really got the most out of it. Yeah, um, it's always one of the hardest questions, that along with what's your favourite country? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's very hard to sort of quantify. Uh, you meet yeah. so many better people along the way. Um, certainly for me, India was a real, uh, just a real shock. It was a really new place. I'd never particularly done Asia before. I'd done Turkey, as I said, but you know that's still pretty European. So to head into India and just be dumped into that sort of world was a real shock to the system. However, yeah, I loved it. Everyone I met was so kind and wanted to know what's going on. Um, people were, you know, like I said I was at the Taj Mahal, and yeah, yeah. people around me, me to take a photo of me with the Taj Mahal behind the camera. <laughs> So it was a very weird experience being that sort of almost a celebrity. Um, but everyone everywhere is incredibly kind. And you very quickly learn that there's pretty much no bad humans in the world. Everyone just wants to help, see what's going on and be involved. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's amazing. I think that's one of the things we're looking forward to the most is 
you know is it getting these experiences and, and meeting people from all sorts of different places and cultures but yeah the, the one message I've got from everybody I spoke to is that yeah there's a lot of humanity out there so it will be um be very exciting to experience that um and then yeah you've, you've, your profile kind of skyrocketed as it were um you had a incident in Australia didn't you with your bicycle um what happened there <laughs> Did indeed um it actually got nicked so first time i used a lock on the entire trip um i was about three days i think into australia and uh, yeah i just set off down had a I chewed at first a bit enough more than i could chew the previous day and ended up camping underneath these waterfalls uh, which turned out to be a very bad idea because they were full of crocodiles or alligators or something <laughs> <laughs> um yeah there was a, a big snake involved in all sorts of stuff so i figured you know what i want a hostel i'm knackered and i found this lovely little place with a pool and a bar and all sorts um yeah and then got up the next morning and the, the bike was gone so i had to call the police and do all that stuff and uh, very quickly the local radio got on board and uh, they were awesome and got me in and then the papers and then all the tv came mm -hmm. and it just sort of snowballed um i ended up doing oh, i think it was like 30 countries around the world um i was on one of their major news networks oh wow <laughs> Yeah, either on purpose or not, you know, they sort of copied the story. But I, yeah, yeah. I can understand it, you know, it's just some kid who's lost his bike. Um, <laughs> some people, for some reason, people really enjoyed it. Um, but recently, the good news is I actually found it. Just yesterday, we uh, we announced that... Oh, really? Is, oh, my yeah, goodness. Okay. Goodness, yeah. I, I bet you thought you'd never see that again. <laughs> I was convinced it was at the bottom of the lake somewhere. It's probably yeah. the most profile bike in Australia. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm dead chuffed to have sort of found it. Yeah, I assume it is in Australia still. <laughs> yeah, at the moment it's um yeah. it's with a friend of mine who's in the police. Um, oh, so, yeah, we're gonna figure that one out. Wow, gosh, that is yeah, that's turn up for the books, isn't it? Um, yeah, and you've obviously got like a lot of publicity off the back of that. Did that change your trip at all? Did it, you know, did it make you more determined to go for the record, or what kind of impact did that have? I think you've really nailed it there. Um, there were certain points at which I was thinking, you know, I've sunk, it's very expensive to do this kind of thing. So I've sunk a lot of money and a lot of time into this. Maybe I should actually slow down and just really enjoy it and see more places rather than trying to hit that March deadline. Um, but then with all that kind of exposure, people were like, you know what, he's going to do it. And I want to be the 18 year old. So I pushed ahead with that. Um, it probably made it easier in some ways. So after that, I only had to look after myself for two nights in Australia. Mm -hmm. um, by the time I had someone offering me a bed and a meal and then somewhere else 100 miles ahead just kept on doing those 100 mile points um, which was actually just that lovely sort of distance in Oz because it's quite a hostile place and yeah. the roads can be quite rough they're, they're good and they're consistent but they're quite um, a gritty tarmac which you find really does resist you on the bike mm -hmm. um, but yeah it was just incredible and I, I had so many good experiences from people I met yeah, yeah. And yet again, you know, it just, just shows that, yeah, it's the humanity out there that, that makes it, isn't it? Um, yeah, so what was the kind of um, the gap you had? Because there was already, a, a, I think, a youngest, somebody claiming the, the youngest person cycle around the world, wasn't there? So yeah, I think it was, Tom... yeah, yeah, I th think it was a relatively kind of, you know, you, you kind of... Um, I can't remember how many days it was, but there wasn't kind of a massive amount in it, I don't think, was there? Um, no, well, in terms of the actual time sort of spent cycling. Yeah. Um, yeah, we were about the same. I think he might have been a touch faster. Mm. It's one of those things, it's the constant question, do you go for the Mark Beaumont and absolutely yeah. try and 
you know, every single day? Um, or do you just enjoy it? And I figured, you know what, I've got the time. So it's my gap year. It's my only, my time to enjoy this. Um, yeah, yeah, but I think that he was a touch older when he finished. Um, yeah. So it was like beaten by that clarity. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. And if um, like Mark Beaumont's um, 80 days or 78 days was uh, obviously a massive epic feat and had a, a massive budget as well. Um, if, if you, you know, if you could get that time now and that budget, would you would you go for something like that? <laughs> I was honestly raised. I was ready to get back on the bike. Tomorrow. I got home and just head off again. <laughs> uh, I think that was the fittest I was ever going to be. You know, you can do 200 Ks without sweating it. That's quite nice. Um, but yeah, he's still on, on another level. Uh, I think it's really, it's a lot of logistics and just yeah. a lot of mental fortitude. So it's definitely in the book somewhere. I've got the bike there and I've got some new contacts now. So yeah, never say never. <laughs> oh, that's exciting. <laughs> definitely. Um, and then, yeah, you, you talked about you managed to kind of get places say throughout Australia then. Kind of before that, what was your balance between camping out and um, finding hostels or hotels? And how did you how did you you manage that? Did you was it just whatever came along or did you kind of um, have to because of budget reasons try and stick to camping more? How did you manage where you stayed? Well, it's a bit of a funny thing. In certain countries, it can actually be more expensive to try and camp in a site. And so then while camping isn't sometimes an option. So actually a hostel is the cheapest way. Uh, especially I found in Asia, camping just isn't done. And there's so many weird creepy crawlies and you can get hostel for so cheap. It just doesn't make sense not to go for the hostel every night. Um, especially when I was there, it's sort of a bit of an off season. So it's quite nice that all the hostels were empty. Um, but then say, you know, in Europe, we all know quite well, yeah camp the hell out of it because it really does save you a lot of cash yeah. for me a real sort of restricting factor was I went super light with the whole thing so I had the carbon bike and then the you know the Apiduro bags yeah yeah uh, the, the the yeah, yeah. <laughs> frame bags and things bag. like that yeah and I just kept it with the one rear one and the front one um and so I, I had a full camping setup I went like a big Agnes tent and all super light I put my money into that because I figured you know it's never wasted I love gear um so yeah it was it was a strange one you have that but then see water is your limit so the minute you're on a big touring bike i found you know those guys they can carry the water they can carry the food and for me that was usually the limiting factor uh, however you know during the day i was very much i was very happy that i'd had the lightweight setup um, i cycled with some lads in new zealand and we had a great time but they were on more of a traditional sort of setup and uh, my whole setup was actually lighter than one of their bikes so. Yeah, I can imagine. I've seen some of the um, the kind of world touring cyclists out there and the amount of kit they've got um, strapped to their bikes is absolutely immense. I've, I heard a podcast with a couple of Dutch ladies that had brought their own camping chairs as well. And, you, you know, it's, it's fine if you, you're going like 30 or 50 miles a day. <laughs> but yeah, it's a lot of weight to carry, isn't it? So, mm. yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a tricky balance. And we've got the um, the challenge as well that we've got two people's stuff on one bicycle so we're gonna have to be extremely lightweight um let's mount panniers in the middle somewhere or are you stuck with the sort of traditional front and rear if you want them um we will probably stick with the front and rear so yeah we've kind of um we've done it like that before and yeah we have to be careful what we take but we can fit most, most stuff in and that i suppose is a bonus to you, you can share some stuff as well like obviously there's only one toolkit and things like that we, don't quite go as far as, far as sharing toothbrushes, but <laughs> apart <laughs> from that, <laughs> you know, it'd be one stove, one tent. Thing, so. <laughs> so, 
So yeah, we probably will go with quite a, a traditional setup, I think. Yeah. And yeah, on that note as well, what did you do? So yeah, obviously, um, if you're in a hostel, hotel, things like that, you're kind of charging devices up and things. What did you do otherwise? Did you just have to make do? Did you do power packs, a dynamo, solar panels, anything like that? Um, so I actually went for the dynamo. Um, okay. I went for the H plus thumb, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I bought the bike, bought the frame, had all that. But I figured, I, I know the carbon bike's very strong and everyone was always asking, is that what's going to break? I thought, no, it's going to be the wheels. So I got myself some sort of custom wheels, decent spokes, 32 spoke, um, and then a nice Hope Hub in the rear and a H plus Sun Dynamo in the front. And it was absolutely cracking. So I had a power pack as well. So what I do is during the day, I'd only charge the power pack. And then in the evenings, just recharge all my devices, bits and bobs. Um, but it was you know, very handy just to keep the GPS sort of top top. I had a Wahoo. Um, yeah, that kind of thing. It really did save me a few times, actually. Yeah. yeah yeah and it's um you know it's it's one thing to have your mobile charged so you can check facebook but it actually from a, a safety point of view and charging up lights and things like that it's something we're we're kind of weighing up the options of we've got um kind of different issues with um having the tandem wheels need to be even stronger so we could be looking at for like up to 48 spokes and it's then the logistics getting a dyno hub in that but yeah no it's interesting to know how how other people have done it did you break any spokes on your, your trip or did your wheel stay true um t- once or twice uh, the okay. worst one not too bad. was in, in turkey uh you i was going along the black sea and you have some amazing roads along there and these really long tunnels sort of cutting off the mountains and coming out of one of them um i was on a lovely brand new bit of tunnel road and it was, went back onto the old road and there was an inch difference between the two bits of tarmac just completely squared off oh. and yeah i, I hit that uh, it's I think I was doing about 90 k's an hour coming out of this tunnel. <laughs> and yeah, um, I wasn't too happy about that one. <laughs> no, I can imagine. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I was playing on taking spares, but they're so heavy. And mm. so I was like, you know, um, and the wheels are plenty strong enough. So I just got into the next town. And um, yeah, I sort of, I made this bike to be universal. So although it's a race bike, it's all very standard parts and very replaceable, um, which is another reason I didn't go for disc brakes. Yeah. Looking back at it, I probably could have. I know lots of people do, and I've worked in a bike shop now. They don't tend to go wrong. So, yeah, it's probably maybe one thing I would change. <laughs> okay, that's interesting. Yeah. And were you pretty handy with um, bicycle kind of like mechanics and maintenance beforehand? Had you kind of fixed a lot of your own bikes, or was that something you, you learnt on the road as well? Uh, I, yeah, I think I was pretty handy, to be honest. Yeah, yeah I had all my own little tools and um, I don't like paying for workshop hours. Uh, it's expensive, isn't it, to send your bike in? So you might as well, I'd rather put the money into tools myself um, and do it that way. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm lucky because Steve's really, really handy with the bike. There's not a lot that he can't fix on the road, but I've heard other people do it completely the opposite way and they've kind of gone with minimal tooling and, and nothing and that they just um, wing it to the next bike shop and get everything fixed there. But um, yeah, it's... Uh, the bikes, they're very simple. Uh, there's not a lot that can go wrong. And if it, if it does go wrong, it's probably just an Allen key somewhere. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's usually a bit of tweaking and if you know what you're doing, you can normally get away with it. Fabulous. Um, and then um, as you were, obviously you, you said you hadn't kind of planned it officially, you didn't set out with a kind of a, a route uploaded on your Wahoo or anything. How did you choose where to go? Did you just pick a direction? Um, I've, I've heard of um, 
some people that, that set off and they literally just um, followed a compass kind of thing um, as basic as that and just picked the road that was going in the right direction. But yeah, how, how did you plan how to move on to the next place, essentially? Well, I wasn't quite that radical. Um, <laughs> people. Uh, no, I, I, yeah, as I said, I didn't really plan it massively. I knew roughly what line I was going to take in terms of, you know, everyone's got the classic thing. Do I go for the Russian side or down through Iran or, you know, there's that whole sort of debate. Yeah. Um, so I knew my first goal point was going to be Istanbul. And so I drew a pretty straight line through there. And I know the Alps. And I wanted to cross off a few bits from my list. So I just followed that. And then on, on a smaller scale, day to day, wake up in the morning or check the previous evening and look where's 100 miles away on the map. Um, and so that was usually my goal to do 100 miles, see how I feel, see what time it is, because, you know, depending on conditions and mountains and all that, sometimes you have it done by lunch and sometimes really not. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you just sort of make it up as you go along. Um, I was determined to try and stick to small roads, not a fan of, of big, busy roads at all. Um, so yeah, that was my main sort of goal. And then go and see some beautiful places. Yeah, fantastic. And how did you kind of deal with the, the middle section, as it were, getting through the Middle East? Because um, I assume when you went as well, it's probably still not possible for people from the UK to get visas into like Iran, for example. Um, yeah, which well, route I, did you I, take? I actually had a visa um, just before I left. I was ready to go. And then um, Mr. Trump pulled out of a nuclear deal with Iran. Oh. And magically, everybody's, all the travellers' visas at that point seemed to vanish. Uh, so yeah I had to take a plane over into India um, I was looking to get into Pakistan but at that point there'd been a load of bombings and I don't think my mum felt particularly <laughs> felt <laughs> about that one so yeah I sort of negotiated to get into India I went into Ahmedabad um, mm -hmm. so yeah I knew at the end of the day it's just about getting the miles in really uh, yeah. usual places will still be there in a few years time so I'll definitely be going back um I, yeah, I was going for the miles and I wasn't too fussed either about the whole staying within a few degrees. So it's the classic thing, you've got to have a straight line. Uh, yeah. I'd be told that they weren't so fast about that one. So it was just getting the miles in, keep going in the same direction, goody. Um, so yeah, landed in a place called Ahmedabad and then mm -hmm. went up through Jaipur and Delhi and into Nepal. Okay, very good. Yeah, yeah, I think we'll, we'll be doing something similar. Where do you leave from in Europe? Was you, Where was your stopping point? I was in... Oh, Tbilisi in Georgia. Tbilisi, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think um, that's what we're looking at. So, yeah. And then yeah, I tried to get into, into Azerbaijan. I actually I cycled through the desert and got to the border, and they asked me, "Where's your visa?" <laughs> I went, "What?" Because <laughs> <laughs> like, visa. I hadn't done any of that stuff either. Um, and so, yeah, I, was, I was a bit buggered there. I'd cycled sixty miles through the desert, and I was naked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> and you just that have to turn around and go on. back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, but that's yeah, that's my fault for not checking any. <laughs> yeah, but um, no, I bet there was a lot of um, pros to kind of um, kind of lagging it along the way as you were. I bet you, you get to see a lot of interesting places and you get experiences that you you wouldn't normally have. And I think that's something that we might kind of in some ways miss on our trip um, that we won't necessarily have time to slow down and, and go back again. But um, I think we'll just view it as a massive recce mission of, of where we'd like to go back and spend more time in, in the future. Um, and yeah, I think I will ask the, the cheesy question of, of where, where was you, was there a favorite place or a highlight or was it just the, seeing all the different places that, that made it? 
Well, um, yeah, everywhere's different. Um, there's reasons that certain places are gap year central. So I loved New Zealand, I loved Australia, but that's sort of, I think it's almost wimping out a bit. Those very easy countries. Um, mm -hmm. In terms of for me, uh, going through Asia is a bit more radical. But then again, you know, Thailand is full of, full, the whole of Southeast Asia is full of, um, of Westerners and it's all very normal. Um, so I'd probably make India the weirdest place. And then Nepal was, Sort of like India, but just a lot quieter, a lot more chilled out, um, which was quite nice, except for the roads along. So I went to, oh, where did I go to? Crikey, Pokhara. Um, <laughs> Love the place. And it had a beautiful lake, but the road from Kathmandu to Pokhara was probably the hairiest road I've ever been on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that that was going to be the next question was was there anybody anywhere that was particularly tough and you wouldn't go back to for whether it be the roads or you just it just wasn't your sort of place was was there anywhere that you you just wanted over and done with? Probably Serbia, um, which is a bit yeah. of a funny one. I was expecting yeah. it. I had four days there, and from the moment I entered, you, know, you can immediately tell it's not part of Europe anymore, and so the roads just go you know right downhill. Um, and I feel like it's, it's probably a bit of a tough life there. Uh, it's just nowhere near as welcoming. Um, people really do stare at you. I, I felt almost a bit scared at times. You're a real outsider. But then again, I still met some lovely people. I was still invited into people's homes. And so, yeah, it was a tougher place. But I think it's just because I've been spoiled up until that point with such loveliness. Yeah, a bit uh, of a culture shock. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> just bring it back. You were talking about speed earlier. Uh, I think there's no right or wrong way to do it because you could go as slow as you want and still not see everything. Yeah. Um, so I feel like there's a good middle ground. That's where a bike is amazing because you can travel that distance, 200 kilometers a day and not be too fast. And you've really covered some distance there whilst doing it at a lovely pace. Yeah, there's, there's, I think there really is something about um, seeing places at the speed of a bicycle and seeing the world at the speed of a bicycle. I think that's going to be be quite mind blowing. We um, we're lucky enough to manage to do um, London to John O'Groats last summer on the bike and even seeing the UK at the speed of the bike bicycle and seeing, you know, the countryside change around you was it's pretty epic. Um, so, yeah, uh, the whole world's going to be absolutely mind blowing, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's next on my list. I, I've really not done the UK at all. It's terrible. Uh, you know, we've come as a family, but I feel like I've barely touched the north. So, oh, goodness. Uh, yeah, you've got to go to Scotland. Just watch out for the midges. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Get the that headnet was... on. Oh, don't. <laughs> they were awful. But yeah, no, I could highly recommend it. And yeah, if you want to lead your group, I've got one. <laughs> well, yeah, I'll take that one. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, and then... Um, the, the the other big thing that's always on a, a cyclist's mind is is food. What was you? Did you have any staples along the way? Um, you know, were you eating in, eating out, cooking? Was it all pasta and, and rice, or or was there any sort of food that particularly kind of kept you going? Well, the uh, the one that always stands out is I pretty much lived off of the um, the gas station pies in Australia. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, lots and lots of pies. It was the cycling's great because it means you can eat whatever the hell you want. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah you're really not going to put anything on. Uh, yeah, you count it all as good calories. Uh, in India, it was it was actually quite new for me. So I've never been veggie, never done any of that, but I went full veggie. Um, I figured the meat was one thing that was actually going to make me ill because the rest of it is quite spicy and cooked and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and so I actually stayed pretty pretty good in India. Um, but that was a whole new thing was going full veggie and enjoying that. At the same time, it's very easy though, because obviously it's a very large part of the population that, that lives that way of life. Yeah. Um, 
So it was a very easy thing to do. Um, yeah, besides that, food can be probably one of the most expensive parts. It is pretty much your only outgoing, isn't it, once you're on the road? Mm. Um, if you have all the time. So it's, I think it's important to get a good meal in. Um, you can't just eat pasta and tomatoes all the time. So I certainly never sacrificed on that. But good food is good food doesn't have to be expensive. Like it's just no. however creative you are. Yeah. And yeah. did you have a stove? Were you cooking along the way? Yeah, yeah. I had a, a Primus Omni Fuel. Um, yeah. Highly recommend that one if you're <laughs> looking. Uh, yeah, very easy because yeah, it's all petrol. Um, had my little aluminium um, sort of tin cans, and yeah, it's all very handy. They probably didn't get used as much as they should have, uh, mm-hmm. but very much for a cup of tea. One of my favourite things to do and ended up oh, goodness, yeah. a little cup of tea in the most beautiful spot I could find. Um, so, yeah, that was always nice. Yeah, I struggle to get going in the morning without a cup of tea. So I'm, I'm thinking a stove might be might be the thing, the way forward. And yeah, cups of tea aren't, you know, you, you don't get them the same <laughs> around the world, do you? And from, from travelling before, there's, there's something about a, a British cup of tea that's... <laughs> Oh, yeah. cracking. Yeah, but I, I, I could probably recommend actually you could even lose that weight though. It's bulky and they're delicate and fuel is heavy. So you can very easily get away without it, I think. Um, yeah, everywhere you go will offer you a hot meal and especially once you're into Asia, it's all very cheap. So you'll eat yeah. out anyway. Yeah. Um, just survive on sandwiches in Europe, really. You'll get away with that. Yeah. And yeah. Then, uh, are you doing the US back into America? Yeah. So yeah, we're, we're yeah, crossing the US essentially yeah. is, is the plan. Yeah, but in that case, cheapest best fattiest food in the world is absolutely awesome uh, <laughs> yeah i was in ihop and it was a it was a special suspended dollar and they gave me the biggest stack of pancakes i've ever had it was absolutely incredible <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah i don't think i don't think food will be an issue in the us but yeah there's a lot to look forward to definitely um and then can i can I ask you what you are doing now um because obviously that was your kind of <laughs> kind of gap year but I think it's, it's it's different from the way most people do it um oh, and it's been a crazy time recently but what are you up to at the moment well uh, right now I'm, I'm back in Swansea uh, I'm sorry into university I'm uh, doing mechanical engineering at Swansea oh, wow. I actually had a second gap year <laughs> um, yeah it took a second year off I got back and I was going to go to uni and then I went you know what no um I really I couldn't so I bought a motorbike got my bike license and set off down Africa um and so i was going to try and basically do all the places i hadn't been on the bicycle but on motorbike um sadly that was stopped in central america by covid but i got a good six months out of that trip actually that was great fun oh amazing yeah so yeah you you certainly kind of maxed the the adventures out and i think yeah it's um you know it's an admirable thing to do amazing yeah it's good crack fantastic and have you got any kind of top tips or, or anything um that you, you know you you would suggest or, or recommend to anybody or particularly like for our trip for example crikey um well you guys are doing it slightly differently um, yeah definitely yeah. the benefits of the tandem obviously you've got sort of twice the power for the same amount of aero so that's very cool i reckon on the flats you should be absolutely zooming yeah um, <laughs> For me, I really based it around lightweights, uh, minimal lightest I could possibly do. Um, after all my kit got nicked in Australia, I got the new bike, um, but I didn't put anything else in my new rear bag. I just kept that super light, so I only had stuff in the front. Um, that's probably the lightest long distance setup I think anyone's ever had. <laughs> <laughs> but that was absolutely cracking. My best memories are with a light bike, you know, zooming over hills, overtaking people, and actually not feeling knackered everywhere I went and being able to come some distance. 
Yeah. So that's pretty much its goal uh, on the biggest piece of advice. That's an end. Just, yeah, you got to enjoy it, haven't you? Um, yeah, chill. Don't put any pressure on it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's amazing. And and since you've come back, and obviously your, your story did get um, a bit of publicity along the way, have you have you heard of anybody that you've inspired to, you know, either go travelling on the bicycle or kind of follow their own um, adventures or go on kind of a, a crazy gap year or anything like that? Um, well, I've been very lucky. Actually, people really, they've texted and they've Instagrammed and, you know, people want advice. Um, so it's really lovely that people feel like they, they can get um, in touch and they're more than welcome to. Uh, I feel like people, especially at the moment, they're looking forward to a big old, a big old adventure. Um, people need something to look forward to. So it's it's been actually quite interesting. The past month, I probably had a record number of uh, people asking me, you know, what's going on, what can I do, um, this, that, and the other since the trip. Um, so yeah, it's it's great to know that uh, I'm I'm there for people. Yeah. yeah, no, that's amazing, and that's something you know we'd really like to think as well that if we can, yeah, you know, get a you know a few videos podcasts whatever out of it as well and kind of inspire some other people to kind of follow their own adventures it doesn't necessarily have to be all the way around the world but I think that's an amazing thing to do isn't it to give people ideas confidence and, and inspiration so yeah that's yeah. amazing <laughs> Al Humphreys I love oh, his podcast. yeah <laughs> he's very good at sort of you know keeping it local keeping it small his micro adventures um so yeah yeah no he's he's an amazing inspiration isn't he and yeah he's all his little podcasts and newsletters and things like that are a, a fantastic resource too so amazing right um so just to before we finish off i have got some tandem trivia for you <laughs> um, <laughs> have you ever ridden a tandem uh, once yeah with a mate i was the front half and it was an immense experience. <laughs> Great crack, actually, yeah. Amazing. Um, and if, if you if you could ride a tandem and you could have anybody else alive, dead, famous, you know, friends, whoever on on your tandem with you, who would you have? Crikey. Um, pretty logically, I've got a mate, Josh, and he's going for sort of GB cycling, so he's a bit of a powerhouse. He'd be good to have on the back end, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah over those hills um for a bit of good chat oh you probably have to have some kind of comedian wouldn't you just making all sorts of sarky remarks um <laughs> i wouldn't mind a bit of peter k actually but, yeah you know he's got a unit to have on the back of your bike so <laughs> yeah you'd have to balance it up a bit wouldn't you yeah yeah um, oh great question though yeah <laughs> that's <a> thought broker. <laughs> <laughs> no that's amazing um and then um, we kind of say we're, we're joined by the frame on, on the tandem. Um, is there anything, um, when you're on the bike, is there anything you're joined by the frame to that you, you can't do without, be it like a, a food item or a bit of kit or what's, you know, or, or like a little luxury or something like that? What do you, would you always take with you when, when you're out bicycle touring? Food, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, uh, Appy Dura does a great little, um, I, if you're a climber, you'll know it's a chalk bag, sort of like a little yeah. grab bag. And uh, yeah, you just whack it on the front. It's the biggest rip off in the world, but I got one of them constantly filled with all the little sugary gummy sweets. And yeah, that's just quite a nice little thing to keep you ticking over. Uh, it's a funny one. Once you've got your gear, uh, then it, it seems so pure. You don't need anything, do you? You just keep on riding. <laughs> Everything else you're taking is purely for the evenings. Um, yeah, like, yeah. In terms of yeah, I had my one set of cycling gear. Uh, I had two pairs of socks, went for that luxury. 
and then just a pair of board shorts and a t-shirt um so i made sure i just didn't take anything because i suppose it's i'd say i had something to to want yeah. <laughs> but no yeah food's food's definitely a good one and I'm, I'm i'm lucky i've got the nose bag on the tandem that's right in front of me so i've got that yeah. got that you know easy access to that and i have to try not to rustle too loudly sometimes otherwise Steve knows that i'm, I'm in it and <laughs> getting the sweets out <laughs> legs crossed <laughs> yes amazing um and then lastly why should we ride a tandem around the world oh crikey uh for every reason imaginable uh, to go and see something <laughs> new you know what we've all earned it with covid go and enjoy yourself um for the people for the scenery for yeah just it, for the stuff you don't know you're missing out on yet it's probably the best one Oh, that's amazing. I love that as well. The stuff you don't know you're missing out on. Fantastic. Um, you've been absolutely fab. Thank you so much for coming on and telling us all about your amazing trip. And it sounds like them, there might be some more um, exciting adventures in the pipeline as well. So I'll be sure to be keeping a uh, watch out for those. But yeah, thank you so much. And yeah, best, best of luck for the future. Yeah, absolute pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> So it's been great to hear from Charlie there and his amazing adventure. I hope you've enjoyed listening as well. We've got some amazing more guests coming up in the next few weeks and months. Uh, so I hope you can uh, listen along to those as well. If you are enjoying this podcast, I would really appreciate it if you could subscribe on whichever podcast listening site you are using. Um, and if you could like and comment as well or any suggestions, good or bad, would be very much appreciated because it really helps with our ratings as well. And otherwise, yeah, see you next time. Bye.